Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Well, all right, here we go. Last Sunday on Disruptive Disciples. Uh, how many were here last week or heard last week's message? If you did not hear last week's message, I would greatly, greatly, greatly encourage you to uh, go online and listen to that. One of the best messages that uh, I have heard in a very long time and timely. We were asked, uh, there was a group of us that got together this week and uh, uh, just kind of to encourage each other. And uh, uh, we were asked, one of the questions was, what's your favorite meal? And uh, it's what... There was all sorts of different answers, you know, JD is pizza, Jeremy is pizza. Uh, But as I thought about it, I thought, you know what my favorite meal is? It's the next one. (laughs) It really is. It's the next one. It's the one I'm going to eat. And, and, uh, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to discipleship, you know, it's what's the most important thing? You're, what's the most important teaching? Or what's the most important truth? Well, it's the truth that you're getting now. It's the truth that you're getting tomorrow. That's it's the it's what we're feeding on now, and it's so important as a part of uh, that our walk with Jesus is that we're taking time to make sure we're getting that good next meal. Uh, now, I think more so than ever. And so today, um, as we finish up this series on disruptive disciples, I want to talk about uh, a time for health. A time for health. It is a time, disciples that are disruptive are healthy. And I don't mean disruptive in a, in a belligerent or arrogant way, but disruptive in the sense that they disrupt the plans of the enemy in our world today. They, they are a problem they are a problem for the problem. And, uh, you know, Jesus, Jesus started by inviting us to follow him. And following is where all of us start. It's, it, it doesn't require a lifestyle change. It doesn't, you don't even have to really believe anything specifically to, to, to follow Jesus. Like to just, okay, I'll follow. I'll see what you're doing. I'll see what is this whole Jesus thing about. But then... There's this, his invitation doesn't end with following. His invitation is actually an invitation to be a disciple. Now, the word disciple is a strange word in our society today. We don't really uh, fully comprehend what that word means because it's not a word we commonly use in our everyday, in our everyday uh, conversation. It's, it's almost a cultic type of word. Like, it's, it's, it seems a little extreme. Disciple, what does that mean? But uh, to, to really understand um, what, the, what the term disciple means, we do, actually use, we do actually disciple in many different occupations. It's called an apprenticeship. And that's what a disciple is. Now, when, when you go to be an accountant, you go to school, and you sit at a desk, and you sit in front of a computer, and I remember when... I was in school, accounting class was a ledger book. How many of you remember the ledger books? Like my, when my company started, it wasn't accounting on a computer, it was com- accounting on a ledger book. And, uh, it, but all of it was sitting 
and all of it was learning. But when you, when you want to become a carpenter or you want to become a plumber or an electrician, you, you don't just sit and learn in a classroom. You apprentice. You have to be, there, there's a recognition in the trades, in the trade industry, that you can't learn this from a book. You must learn it by being taught in person. You must be taught in person. You, you have to walk alongside somebody and learn. This is what the term disciple is. It's one who, who learns the ways of another. And so we're invited to follow Jesus, but we're, we're invited to be a disciple, to be an apprentice, to learn. An apprentice is not passive, but participates in the process, even when they don't always understand the process. could give illustrations of that, but I'll run out of time if I do, so I'm just going to keep moving. And probably one of the most important steps in being disciple in being a disciple is being healthy, is being healthy. And you look at much of what Jesus taught dealt with the inner world of people. It dealt with the heart. It dealt with what was coming out of the heart. In fact, Jeremy in our pre-service, we have a t kind of a team rally. He, he, he said his, Jesus' criticism of the Pharisees was that they looked good on the outside, but in the end, on the inside they were the walking dead. You know, they were the zombies on the inside. He said, you're whitewashed tombs. It's like the outside looks great. But this is what Jesus said. He said, believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being. He said... He said, John 10, 10, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, to slaughter, and to destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in fullness until you overflow. He's talking about the heart. He's talking about the spirit. He's talking about what's going on in our inner worlds. He said, I've come the life in its fullness to you overflow. He didn't say, I've come so that I can correct you on all the stupid things that you're doing on a daily basis. I didn't come, he, he said, I, I came so that I could set you straight on all your goofy ideas. And there's a principle of spiritual living, it's this, when we get healthy, we do things that are healthy. When we get healthy, we do things that are healthy. We can't do what we're not. We can't do what we're not. And, and, and we all know this. Like at a, at a fundamental level, we all know this. If you, if you have a problem with losing your temper, you cannot will your way into not losing your temper. Have you noticed this? Am I the only person that's noticed this? Yeah. It's like you lose your temper and you say, ah, oh, I said I'm not going to do that anymore. And, you know, your willpower is useless. It really is. It's useless. It doesn't change, because it doesn't change our heart. Jesus deals with our heart. If you change the heart, then the reactions change with it. 
We are called as disciples, we are called to disrupt evil. And the first evil that we need to disrupt is the evil that seeks to establish itself in our own hearts, in our own thinking, in our own thought patterns. Disrupt, disrupt the, it's disrupting the evil that seeks to get lodged in our own lives. There's a book that I've read recently, it's called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And he makes this, he makes a comparison of discipleship to that of a building. And he said, much of discipleship in the church today is the spiritual equivalent of cladding. Now, for those of you that don't know what cladding is, cladding is what we put on the outside of buildings. This beautiful wall on the outside of the church as you drive in with its patterns and its, and its checker patterns and its colors. That's cladding. And it's, but this is what he says about cladding. He said, on the surface, everything looks good, but emotionally healthy discipleship is not cladding, it's structural. It builds into our lives the strength to bear weight and stress without crumbling under the load. And so often when it comes to our lives, we're, we focus on cladding. We focus on what everybody sees about us, what everybody thinks about us. But true discipleship is structure. You know what structural is? Structure is everything you don't see in here. Structure in the building, I'll walk over and I'll show you some structure, camera. You gotta follow me. All the way over here, we don't have lights over here, but we do have structure. Steel. And there's, it, it, it's, it doesn't look all that significant, but if we, could see the, if we could see the building here, there is a beam that's about five feet tall that runs right over my head, right here. We had to bring in 120,000 120, pound, or 120 ton crane to lift it out of the parking lot and put it on top. You know, one, one item that literally took thousands and thousands of dollars to place, but that one item means that the roof doesn't collapse on our heads as we sit here. And you know, the work that, the, the cost and the expense of that one item, when you compare it to, when you compare it to what you see, you think, wow, that's a lot for something nobody really even sees. But that one item that nobody sees actually holds everything that we do see up. And that's the way discipleship is. It's making sure that the things that are, that are significant in our hearts, in our lives, that we take care of those. And nobody else might see those items as you work on them. But those are the items that will hold everything else up in your life. Those are the... Those are the things. And right now, right now we're at a historical moment of intense pressure. I don't know, can you feel it? <laughs> um, am I the only person that feels it? And it's revealing the cracks in our foundation. It's revealing where our, our discipleship as a church, and I'm saying not just us as City Life, but as a church global, as Christians, where we were just cladding. We were just cladding. We look good on the outside, but when the pressure hits, when the pressure hits, it, it, and I'm not saying, 
I'm not saying this about, I'm saying this about me. I'm saying where, where there's, you know, you, you realize under the pressure, it's like my well might not be as deep as I thought it was. I might not be so motivated myself. And my attitude sometimes is a whitewashed tomb. This is, this is what Paul said to the Corinthians. He says, we're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Everybody say, I don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. We are, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Let me ask you, how have you been waging war lately? We need, we need different weapons. The weapons of Instagram and Facebook are not our weapons. The weapons we have been given, and this is, you know where this, this war is waged? It's in here. It's inside. This is where, and, and it's, it's, we've been given tools. Discipleship is an inside job. It's about making sure the foundation of our heart is different. And it's recognizing that there is a war going on for our thinking. And this is the, this is the primary war that we will, we will battle. Spiritual warfare is, is primarily fought in, our own, in the realm of our own thinking. And, and, our, and, and right now, it's very easy to get distracted by the opinions and the emotions and the noise and the yelling and the opinions <laughs> and the opinions. And we can completely miss the spiritual element that's taking place around us and in us. That, and, and don't fool yourself. There's always a spiritual compo component to what's going on in the world around us. There's always, it, it's, we're not, the, the Bible actually warns us, it says, don't be ignorant of the enemy's devices. Don't be ignorant of what he's trying to do. It's, and, and sometimes when we get sucked into we get sucked into the opinions and the noise. We actually end up being blind to what, what are the spiritual forces that are working. See, the spiritual forces that are working are seek, seeking to separate us. They're seeking to divide us. They're seeking to get us entrenched in pride, in arrogance, in belligerence. All right, Mike, wow, you're sure funny today. So, the foundation of healthy discipleship is being with God. The found, this is actually what discipleship is. It's being with God. To be a carpenter, you must be with a journeyman carpenter. To be an electrician, you must be under 
a journeyman electrician. And to be a disciple, you must be with God. I know, that was complicated, wasn't it? It's, and it's so easy to, it's so easy to get distracted away from that. It's so easy to think, oh, that's not that important. But what, what happens when we, when we spend time with God, when we listen to him, when we learn from him? There's some things, some very important things that begin to happen in our life. The first that happens is it begins to create an inner harmony in us that allows us to respond well and not react poorly. Now, if you were to categorize your life in the last season, would you say responding well, right hand, or reacting poorly? <laughs> Just depends what time of day it is. Healthy discipleship, it integrates difficult, difficult circumstances into life. It actually integrates sadness and loss into our, into our walk with Jesus. And the problem with whitewashed or with cladding spirituality is that it doesn't have a place for sadness. It doesn't have a place for handling grief. It doesn't have a place for loss. When we, when we have the foundation of being with God, it creates, it makes provision for surrendering to rather than fighting against the limits that, of God's limits in our lives. It, it allows us to embrace weakness and vulnerability as core to accessing God's power and offering his love to the world. Being with God helps us, it helps us to address the inner dialogue of ourselves and direct it into ways that are healthy. It begins to, it changes our heart. It changes our inner dialogue. I heard a great question this week. If, would you be friends with a person that talked to you about you the way that you talk to yourself? Would you be friends with a person that would talk to you the way that you talk to you about yourself? And the, the author's comment was, like, I would, have, I would block them on my phone. <laughs> I would unfriend myself. Block. Report to Facebook. This guy's a jerk. <laughs> but isn't that true? Sometimes our, our, our own inner dialogue, we're sometimes the most toxic people we listen to all week. Mike, more jokes, more jokes. <laughs> Treat yourself as if you were someone that you are responsible for helping. Treat yourself as if you were someone that you are responsible for helping. Talk to yourself like you're responsible for helping yourself. And let's... Let's, well, you know, social media, we can't get through a Sunday without talking about it. So let's talk about the role that social media has on us and our hearts. You know, social media is a multi-billion dollar industry, becoming one of the largest industries in the world. And it has an agenda. And you won't beat it. 
if you're exposing your thinking to it continually, you won't beat it. It's, it's, it, if we don't recognize its influence, we will fall prey to its influence. All right, being with Jesus or being with God, it gives us access to the strength of the Spirit of God and not just our own human capacity. It gives us strength to the Spirit of God and not just our own human capacity. And this is important because you can't do the Christian life without the Spirit of Christ. It's not just an exercise in willpower. It's not just an exercise in, in altruistic goodness towards others. We can only give what we possess. And if we don't have, if that being with God makes sure, we're, we're making sure that we, we have some of the Spirit of God. Because human effort will only take us so far. It'll only take us so far. And I don't know how you've been reacting in the last 18, 19, and going on 20 months now. But I have found myself thinking, I don't want to love like Jesus. Jesus, you love them. <laughs> you take care of them. I just want to shut down and build walls. Like, I've, I have reached the limit of what I can do with my own willpower now. I've, I've found it. I've stepped over the cliff a couple times. Landed in a heap of rocks at the bottom. The, ca the capacity to love like Jesus does not come from believing in an ideology. That love is good. It comes from being filled with a spirit that's greater than our own spirit. Because my own spirit, it sucks at times. I'm not a very nice person at times in my heart. I'm proud, I'm arrogant, I'm judgmental. And I need a spirit inside of me that's greater than that. Much of our reaction is really revealing where our faith is more of an ideology than a relationship with the living God. And spiritual strength is not an exercise of willpower. I said this already. It's a spillover from a life that's connected to God. It's, it's the overflow of what God is doing in our own hearts. And spiritual life is not the absence of expectations so you can't be disappointed. That's Buddhism. But that's not Christianity. Spiritual life is having our expectations transformed by someone greater than us on the inside. So that our expectations, they get realigned to God's will. Spending time with God, being filled with God, it causes us to be more reflective and compassionate. I could preach a whole message on this. I probably should have preached a whole message on this. We need compassion and empathy right now more than ever. We do not need people fortifying their positions and building barricades and, set and, and buying guns. We need, we need compassion. When Jesus fed the 5,000, it said that all these people had followed him out into the wilderness and they, they, were, they were hungry. And it says Jesus saw them and he was moved with compassion. 
And then he said to his disciples, you feed them. And Jesus, he wasn't, I don't think this was actually a lesson about, about fishes and loaves. I think, <laughs> I think this is a lesson about compassion and taking responsibility for those around you. And it would be easy to just look at 5,000 people and you came out here in the middle of, wilderness, of the wilderness and you didn't even pack a lunch? What's wrong with you? Like, that's how I think. It's like, well, you should bring food with you. Like, how, how do you think you're going to eat? But it's a great, a great lesson that Jesus wanted to teach was... A, he wanted to teach his disciples compassion. I want you to see these people, and I want you to care for these people. And Erwin uh, McManus writes in, if you want to read a good book, this is, I've just, I'm just getting this started, but it's, it's shaping up to be a good book. It's called The Genius of Jesus. And uh, he said this, he said, Jesus was moved by compassion, while his disciples were motivated by convenience. Compassion moves you to embrace responsibility, accept challenges, make sacrifices, and take action to serve the good of others. You know, we have to make sure that in this season that we're not just being disciples of convenience. I'll follow Jesus in what's easy to follow Jesus in. But that which is challenging, we'll let, you know, Pastor Mike can take care of that. We'll let, the, we'll let the staff be those disciples. I'm not trying to make a lot of ouch comments today, but I think at times we need to hear some things that aren't always comfortable to hear. Empathy is what we do. It's not what we lecture others to do. It moves us to understanding. It allows us to see and feel what others are going through. Erwin McManus in his book, he said, empathy in the genius of Jesus, he says, he says, empathy is actually the highest form of intelligence. It's the highest form of intelligence. Empathy is not pity. Pity was never enough for Jesus. Pity is actually rooted in the word piety, which means I am better than you. Empathy is, is, not driven by a need to be understood, by the, but, but by the power of understanding. Empathy is about recognizing what do others need in this moment and having the wisdom and the courage to bring it. And the power of empathy is it gives us the power to carry burdens that others cannot carry by themselves. When God looked at the pain and the mess of humanity, he did not distance himself from it, but he came and stood with us in it. He was right, and we were wrong, but he came anyways. We need this again. Compassion, empathy, comes through understanding and connection. And you know, this last 20 months, it's been hard because we have been isolated from so many of our friends or our family. We've been disconnected and it hasn't fostered empathy, and, and, but it's, it's fostered estrangement. 
We've fallen in love with our own opinions. And it seems like we're really good at yelling, but we're not very good at listening. Empathy listens and it sees. And you know, you don't have to give up your convictions to be compassionate. Listening is not compromise. It just shows that sometimes there's things more important than being right. Empathy is saying, I value we more than I value me. Empathy is being able to see how others see. I got too many notes. I do this all the time. You know, one of my own pet peeves is that when, it's actually when people refuse to see another point of view. Part of it is that's what I, where I fall in the personality of the Enneagram type is that I, I do see both sides of an issue. And it, I find it very disturbing when we refuse to see another side. And it's that refusal that actually creates conflict. Life's never black and white. It's through, it's through healthy dialogue and understanding that we build community. And I think there needs to be a healthy dose of, I could be wrong in my opinion in every conversation we enter into because that creates a teachable heart that creates a heart that seeks truth and not just seeks validation and god has some pretty strong warnings the book of proverbs it, you know it, it talks about the hard-hearted or the proud man and it basically says the proud man will be cut off suddenly with and without remedy when your opinion becomes so valuable that you can't listen to another opinion you're getting yourself into a dangerous place. And let me just say about the church, we are not supposed to all think the same. We're not all supposed to act the same. We're not all supposed to be the same. Monica said this last week, but it should be repeated. We need people to be different because we're supposed to do different things. And I want to just give us all a, a bit of a challenge. Stop using labels. And this is a challenge to myself as well. Stop using labels like those right-wing conspiracy theorists, or those left-wing communists, or those pro-vaxxers, or those anti-vaxxers. Do you know what labels are? Labels are tools of the intellectually and emotionally lazy. And we use them to justify our own lack of effort. Okay, Mike. Empathy. That's the highest form of human intelligence. And we need it. We need it in the church now more than ever. And Paul said, be careful that you bite one another, lest you end up devouring one another. We gotta be careful. Okay, being with God. 
You know, compassion and empathy, that's what motivated Jesus to come to the earth. And empathy, or sorry, the last thing here is being with God, it ensures that we are filled with good things. It ensures that we're filled with good things. Let's stand up. Ensures that we're filled with good things. You know, I've noticed that when I don't have a plan for what I eat, I usually eat poorly. When I eat for convenience, I usually end up choosing foods that it's like, that's not the best choice. But when I want to eat well, it actually requires planning. You know, if I want vegetables that have flavor, I have to go like to a farmer's market and get them. You have to go through effort. By the way, vegetables do have good flavor if you get them from the right places. But you know, spiritual life is no different. Junk food is easy. Nutrition takes work. Junk food is easy. Nutrition takes work. In your heart, junk food is easy. Nutrition takes work. And spending time, that's spending time with God. It's, it's, we're not looking for the junk food fix spiritually. We want a well that is deep and wide. And it's, it, there's a reservoir of strength. So Father, I pray that as we go through this week, as we leave today, that we would not just be content to be clad with spirituality, to be, to be dressed up with Jesus' robes, but not have, not have the heart not have the foundation. And Father, as we, as we, as we serve you, as we follow you, I pray that, that you would help reveal to us the areas of our life where we've been content with spiritual junk food and allow you to just fill that well with something different. That we would do the work to, to spend time with you, to be filled with you, with your life. And that where we find, we find that that food of the world, that food of, of the world around us and the, the voices and the opinions of the world around us that we would, we would learn t- how to retreat from those and listen to your voice. Just like we find you in so many stories of the scripture where you had just set, pulled away, retreated to places just to, to spend time and be filled with the Spirit. Father, I pray that we would be filled with your spirit and not the spirit of our age, not the opinions of our age, not the reactions of our age, but with your Holy Spirit, your your thoughts and your ways. I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. Whether you're watching online or you're, you're in the room, it's a prayer saying yes to following after Jesus. And if you want to be included in that prayer, you can just pray along with me as we pray together. Jesus, I say yes to you. I want to follow you. I want to follow your ways. I want to be your disciple. I want you to teach me how to follow you. I want you to teach me how to have my heart filled with good things, with your things, and not the things of this world. Come into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's great, you guys. 
We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.